Welcome to episode number 29 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast, where we're creating a global community around workplace safety and industries handling combustible dust. Today's episode, we're talking with Jeremiah Wan, president at Imperial Systems. Imperial Systems is a manufacturer of dust control, dust collection equipment, and related safety systems. And we're talking about changes that Jeremiah has seen over the last um, couple of decades, actually, in, in the dust collection equipment landscape. So we kind of pose this question, Jeremiah, actually pose this question to the community in, in a broader sense over the last number of episodes where we're, we're really looking for other folks besides consultants, people that maybe are not on the you know NFPA boards. These have been really great episodes as well, but we're just trying to broaden who we're talking to. So we're looking for managers, operators, equipment manufacturers, insurance companies, who else is in this kind of ecosystem in combustible dust? And Jeremiah and his team reached out and said, yeah, we, we would love to come on and share our knowledge, share what we've learned over the last, you know, the last couple of decades. So that's what we're talking about in this episode. How has the landscape changed for dust collection from Jeremiah's kind of background? And we talk about how the awareness has certainly increased when they have a client now, they said they moved from, you know, not very many being understanding of combustible dust to maybe 50-50 in 2013. And, and nowadays, almost everyone is is handling combustible dust that they're selling to um, with, with this type of dust collection equipment. So it's it's really changed quite a bit, um, and with that, there's some some struggles that we get into in this episode. So I didn't actually prime uh, Jeremiah for some of these questions that we or some of these conversations that we ended going down. But we started talking about getting your your equipment tested as an equipment manufacturer, doing things like testing to destruction, where are the failure points, and this is a you know a very expensive and a very time consuming process, but it's also something that moves the the whole community forward, and again moves the whole industry forward. It's important that uh, companies like Imperial Systems are doing this, and it's it, you know it's a big contribution. We also talked about some difficult questions around customer conversation when the customer may or not want to, or may prefer not to you know install combustible dust safe equipment. And he provides a lot of good insight on that. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. I really appreciate you listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. I know you're going to learn a lot from from Jeremiah's experience and the experience with Imperial Systems. Welcome to episode number 29 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Today's episode, we're doing an interview with Jeremiah Wan, president at Imperial Systems based out of Mercer, Western Pennsylvania. Imperial Systems manufactures dust control equipment, dust collection equipment, and related safety systems. And today we're talking about the changes in the dust collection equipment landscape over the last number of years with regards to combustible dust. So Jeremiah, I want to say thank you for coming on the show and just sharing your, your wealth of experience with everyone. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Awesome. So over the last couple episodes, and people that are listening in over time will know this, but I mentioned that you know we've talked to a lot of folks that are scientists, that are have graduate degrees in combustible dust and engineering and consulting, um, that are consultants. But I've, I've been trying to kind of beat the drum that we also want to talk to managers, operators, equipment manufacturers equipment providers, reps, resellers, just everyone that's in this ecosystem for combustible dust. And Jeremiah and his team reached out and said, hey, we are a, you know, an equipment manufacturer. We've been in this industry for, for a number of years, and I'd really just like to give an idea of, of what my view of the landscape has looked like over the last number of years. And I thought that was really great. So that's, that's exactly the kind of you know, another group of people that we want to be talking to. So it's really great to get Jeremiah on to share his, his experience in this area. And in this episode, we're talking really about as an equipment manufacturer, 
how has the landscape changed in recent years and, and what does that mean for us as a community moving forward? So Jeremiah, maybe just by, by way of introduction, can you just briefly explain in your background and what Imperial Systems does in industry? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, so a little bit about, about my background. Um, I have been in the uh, dust and fume collection business pretty much my whole life, I guess. There's not a lot of people I bump into in this industry that has that kind of a background. I, I grew up in it, so essentially third generation dust and fume collection, primarily dust. My uh, my grandfather, who who's still alive today, is 92 years old and has a sheet metal shop down in Texas. He um, he started uh, you know our family down this road back I think back in the in the early 50s. So so from the time I can remember, kind of grew up in a sheet metal shop. You know, I have family pictures and, and just around the shop of being around, you know, cyclones and duck work from, from probably, you know, age three and on, you know, so it's just kind of, it's, it's in my blood. It's, it's, it's definitely not the norm that I, that I run into, you know, from an early age, you know, growing up in the shop, of course, first thing you want to do is get out there and do some welding. And, and back then what you did, you know, you, you, you welded blow pipe and, and uh, on cyclones and that kind of stuff. So, so it's kind of, you know, in my background and my DNA, Kind of how I, I got into it, I guess, a little bit more professionally is, um, you know, after after college, I, I I went to work in my family's business, and at the time, it was uh, you know you know fairly small you know rep rep group. My my father and my mother, um, I think they had you know somebody else helping out, but you know they sold um, dust collection equipment. They they designed designed and installed you know, dust collectors, and uh, you know at that time we primarily focused in the wood industry. So that would have been 2001. Well, that would have been, I'm sorry, that would have been about 1998. And, uh, you know, you know, the wood market was good. You know, we're in Western Pennsylvania. You know, that's pretty much, again, that was our focus. But I guess, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of, it's kind of funny. You can't tell the story without, you know, saying that, you know, at some point in time I, I broke off and, and went on my own. And I guess it's just the thing that, you know, not all family chemistry works out uh, that well, you know, so uh, we, we, we're a very close family now, but when, you know, the strong personalities got together and family business, um, it was just time to, time to kind of move on and start something on my own. So, so in 2001, um, I founded Imperial Systems at that point, you know, kind of my focus at the point was, was survival, right? So, you know, you, you start a business and I guess the same year was, uh, I got married, bought a house and started a business all, all in the same year. So you, you kind of start with your back to the wall. You know, it ultimately worked out very well for me, but, um, you know, it was, uh, those were, those were interesting times to say the least. And then of course, during those, you know, that time that was, um, in October, 2001. So shortly after the attacks in, uh, in September. So, you know, the economy was fairly good. And then of course you guys all remember what, I think you remember what, what happened. So it started out pretty lean. Um, and at the point, uh, at that point, uh, you know, I was pretty much doing any, industrial ventilation job I could get my hands on. And so, of course, you know, where I'd cut my teeth was woodworking. So we spent time in cabinet shops and, and milling plants and, and, and sawmills and wherever we could, but also started kind of getting into some other metalworking projects. And uh, in about 2003, uh, I took on another line of dust collectors, which was more of a general industry type company, somebody that specialized in cartridge style collectors. And uh, that kind of forced me into some other industries, you know, so started getting into, you know, blasting, metalworking, welding, grinding, heavy torch cutting, that kind of stuff. So that was good for me ultimately, because, you know, and in, in, if you remember, you know, 2000, around 2008 and, you know, those, those years leading up to that, 
you know, there was a real major downturn in this country for the woodworking industry. It was all moving overseas. And so I started to diversify at, at that point. And so, you know, we, we, I guess, I guess backing up just a little bit though, in, in between 2001 and, uh, you know, 2003, you know, I was just, just a rep, but around 2003, you know, the economy was tight. And I said, we really need to start, you know, building stuff if we want a chance of, of, of making it in this economy. So, you know, I kind of went back to my roots and what I knew, and that was, you know, building ductwork, doing the installations. And at that point started building cyclones, airlocks, um, you know, whatever we needed to make the system go in. But up until that point, I had still been buying um, dust collectors from, from other, other manufacturers. And I can attest to that. I saw we were, we were on video before recording the call and, and in the background, you can see their um, quite sizable shop actually back there where they're, they're building everything out. So yeah, it's uh, interesting to see that move. And I, I didn't want to say, I know the, the back to the wall, we have a eight month old now here, but uh, you know, last year I, I graduated my PhD thesis in April. Um, my wife was pregnant didn't have a job at that point and kind of started this company. So it's, it resonates a bit with me, that kind of story. And then, you know, you do what you can to, to kind of grow it and take it to a, to a new place. Today, Imperial Systems generally is producing what kind of equipment for dust control? Is it cyclones and, and dust collectors and kind of bag hoses still? There's other, other features that you guys are doing as well. Yeah. So, you know, today, I mean, you know, that's, you know, we're really fast forwarding and, and uh, but I mean, today we, we have, you know, really focused on cartridge style dust collectors and, and, you know, so really in about 2007 is when we developed our own line of cartridge collectors. And I mean, honestly, today the C-Max is our, is our flagship product and it's a, it's a vertical style cartridge collector. We make it anywhere from a one cartridge all the way up to a 120 cartridge unit. So you're talking, you know, a couple hundred CFM up to 100, 150,000 CFM type systems. So um, that's, you know, that's our focus today. I mean, you know, looking out over our plant right now, you know, we've got, you know, 14 foth diameter, 316 plate cyclones. We got 12 foot diameter around bag houses. I mean, a whole line of uh, C-Max is being assembled, anything from, you know, four cartridges all the way up to, 32 cartridge units at the moment. So we're really, you know, today we're very, very general industry. We've also diversified in a way that, you know, before it used to just be, you know, we were more direct sales, but, you know, we've recently restructured and we're, we're going outward in, in the way of territory managers and sales reps. And we're kind of filling the map right now with our, uh, you know, with our, with our way to market. And so that gets us into everything. I mean, so one day I'm, I'm literally in a drink mix factory and, and the next day I'm in a steel mill and, you know, you may be in a coffee plant. You just never really know what you're going to get into. Yeah. It's good to hear that kind of background, just the overview of, you know, the different industries that are involved. I, I forgot to mention this in the introduction, but I, I knew of Imperial Systems before because I came across a, a number of articles you guys had written over the years on combustible dust. I, I had a couple up my Peter KST, PMAX, MIE, what's it all mean for your combustible dust? dust regulations off OSHA's agenda, danger remains. So we'll include some of these in the show notes, uh, dustsafescience.com slash 29. That's sort of some of the information that I, I found from, and just looking at this post now, I can actually see your, your uh, facility in the background, with the giant uh, C-Max dust collectors being built there. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. But the, the kind of point I want to get to on that was, 
So you, you've had a pretty broad base since 2001, your entire life really in this industry, but 2001 since Minota on your own and, and leading to the formation of Imperial Systems. How has the, the landscape changed in, in dust collection over that last, say, decade and a half or so, or almost two decades? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I, was, I was thinking about that um, actually just today, and uh, it's, it's, been, it's been crazy. I mean, if you think about five, six years ago, you know, people weren't talking about, you know, combustible dust in, in every, every job you do. And, and to, so I, I would say, you know, five, six years ago, and I know you said 15 years, but as, as early as, as five years, I mean, I, I would say that at that point, you know, 50% of the jobs we did were combustible ju- dust. And at this point, I would say, you know, 95 to 98% are all considered combustible dust of some sort. So when we say that, we mean, you know, anything with a, you know, a KST greater than one. So yeah, it's, that's changed in a big way. You know, the, the other thing is, is that cartridge style dust collection has come a long way. I mean, it used to be that, you know, with the old, like, you know, horizontal style filters and, 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 and people just cramming the, the filter media into a small box caused a lot of problems as far as the way they would clean and the way they filter down. So, you know, we've, we've, we've challenged that in the industry. You know, we've said that coming from kind of the old school um, mentality of, you know, we're, we're, you know, we cut our teeth in woodworking where it was very difficult to do these jobs. And so we had to have low can velocities, low interstitial velocities. And uh, so when we designed our cartridge collector, the C-Max, and we really went after that low internal velocities and, you know, and, and, and longer filter life. So, I mean, so the industry is changing in that way. I mean, we've done some things to, you know, not trying to, you know, be promotional here, but just kind of, you know, these are, these are kind of industry changing things we've done, you know, with the C-Max and that is the, um, you know, things with combustible dust where we've taken our primary filters and made them, you know, isolation devices. So if, uh, you know, with NFPA, you have to protect the inlet, the outlet, the discharge and then the collector, you know, for, for isolation of some sort. And with our, with our CMAX, we, we've had our primary filters tested um, to the point where if there's an explosion in the collector, the uh, flame front would be stopped from going back through the filters and back into the plant. So, you know, that's some, that's some new technology uh, that, that's, that's kind of come out there. There's, I know there's so many things, you know, you know, where to start, but, but I guess one thing I was thinking about, was that, uh, you know, we've come a long way with explosion venting. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, when I first started in the industry, everybody was still putting on, you know, aluminum panels that they would cut on their plasma table and, you know, bolt on with PVC bolts, you know, and they would put chains on to kind of hold them. That way you don't lose them when, when the uh, explosion happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, so what happened was we used to, I mean, we just followed suit, you know, and said, well, we better do the same thing. And and nobody even knew what the rating on the the bolt the bolts were or anything like that. But um, after doing after doing third party testing and going to a facility and, and actually blowing your collector up, you start to respect the uh, the power of these explosions, and you uh, you realize very quickly that there's no way that those little chains would stop that panel from blowing across the the parking lot or or whatever and becoming a projectile. So there's a lot of you know. So today, I guess that one the changes that everybody uses you know rupture style vents that are tested and so I, I would say for the you know all things considered it's all this testing and all these rules and regulations have been good for for industry and for safety well, i like that and i didn't i didn't prep you on this so you know kind of feel free to, to go with it wherever it goes but 
the whole testing of products and, and just you mentioning going out there and actually blowing up your dust collectors um, is is probably very insightful. Oh yeah, <laughs> in, in seeing what they can withstand, but it's also helpful just to you know get verification that's going to work correctly, and it helps to design these new systems like this isolation by the primary bags and you know new venting techniques, and just to show you that some things aren't going to work and are going to work. We had a we had a good conversation with. Nicholas Kitzhoffer, uh, based out of Remy, Germany, or, well, he's, he's of Remy, Germany, but he's based out of Shanghai, he's in China. And what they're struggling with in China today is all these companies are just making basically mock versions of, of what, you know, the big guys are selling and not testing them. And maybe they have plastic bolts instead of metal bolts or whatever. Um, and then, and then selling them and, and then people feel safe and, you know, you have these issues. So that was a little bit of background, but can, can you walk us a bit through what that testing looks like? Cause I think that might be instructive and i'm hoping actually encourage you know equipment manufacturers and other industries as well in the other parts of the world to, to also start thinking about that you know what does the testing look like for for your own equipment if you don't mind sharing if that if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah i can i can go into it i mean I, I, so first and foremost it's very expensive um it's very time consuming but it's very, very much worth it right so you know, when we, when we went into it originally, you know, honestly, this is how little I knew about it when I first went into it. I'll just, just kind of expose myself here a little bit. But when I went into it, my, my initial thoughts were I was going to go in and do testing so that I could figure out a way to put smaller explosion vents on to save us money <laughs> in, the, uh, in the field. And, and, and that was my original motivation behind it. I mean, ultimately, you know, it's easy to say we did it to be safer and to protect people and all that. Of course, that, that's in the background. But but, you know, as a manufacturer, you know, we're always looking at ways to, to, to be innovative and to, and to save money, of course. Well, and you want to know, right? You want to know what, <laughs> if you want to know if you can go smaller, because if you can, then you, you should, because you have over, it's going to lead to under adoption of a safe method. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're a lean manufacturer for sure, you know. But on the other side, you also want to know if the thing's going to, you know, if you're going to rupture the, the top off your dust collector or something. So please go on. I didn't mean to cut in. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so that, you know, so when we went there, I mean, that was the initial goal. And I, you know, I didn't even realize, like, I didn't under, I didn't understand that we were really there to, to test our vessel and to, to see what the, uh, you know, the, the P red is of the collector and what, you know, what the maximum pressure is, the vessel could withstand and, and what that meant, you know, and, and uh, so we went, we went there and, you know, we, the C-Max, if, if you, if you get ever ever get a chance to stop by the show or come by our plant um, and get your hands on one, you're, I think you'd be impressed. I mean, it's just a very well built dust collector. I mean, it, it doors 150 pounds. I mean, it's it's designed to withstand a, you know up to four psi, and and, and actually it, it it's way beyond that. But that's that's without flame transmission, and it's it's a very robust machine. So I thought, you know, for sure, there's no way that we're going to build this thing and and it not pass. And be honest with you, the very first test we, we put it through it, the door blew open, you know, and a weak point was found. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, man, how, how in the world can, you know, and I actually went to these tests, you know, uh, with, with, um, with some other people from my company. And I said, you know, so I got to see it firsthand. I said, there's, you know, no way the way we build this thing, how did that happen? So we go back through the slow motion videos when we, and we look in the, in the, in the, and we use a company called Fike and, you know, and so their engineers, you know, they analyzed it and we kind of found out that it was in the, in the, in the latching system. Well, so man, you know, we use military grade hardware for this thing and there's no way it, it well was, it exceeds the, uh, the pressure rating and, and shouldn't be a problem. So what we learned was it was actually not the, uh, the engineering, but it was actually in the manufacturing process. So I would have never guessed in my life that 
it, it was our it was our manufacturing process in a way that we didn't have a, a fixture set in place to where that latch got welded on the exact same way every time. So while one door failed, the next door came along and it would have passed, right? So maybe the maybe the latch was welded in an eighth inch different than the other latch. So it really pushed us as a company to take things to a new level. I mean, and since then we've just kind of went crazy with fixturing and and uh, you know process controls and and uh, and kind of pushed us because when we when we got that certification finally and we got the thing designed properly where it didn't blow the door open. By that time, we had really tooled up and, and uh, improved our processes and our quality. So it, you know, it challenged us as a manufacturer to go through that process. Uh, it's made us better. You know, our, our customers are obviously very confident in who we are, what we what we provide. So yeah, that was a that was cool. And we've done. I mean, we've actually done quite a bit of testing. One one product I, I haven't. I don't know that you've got a chance to look at yet, but it, it just just was launched in October. In November this year at Fabtech, it's called the Rhino Drum. Yep, I've seen it. Yeah, not there, but I've seen. I've definitely heard of it from online. Yeah, so it was a it was a, a cool product. It's it's the um, the first the first of its kind where it's actually a tool free, tested fifty five gallon drum that goes underneath the dust collector, and um, eliminates the need for an airlock. You know, so uh, so it's an isolation device that is also a drum. So for collecting the dust and. Uh, you know, in order to do that, of course, we had to go back to Fike and, and spend a lot more money and, and do all that again. But it's it's a lot of fun. I, I always enjoy that trip. Well, I really appreciate that that discussion. As I kind of mentioned, it wasn't I didn't prime you for that, but that's that's an important one to have. And I to, to have that as a reference point that I can point back to just to one, it is really expensive and it is really time consuming. And you know, those companies that are willing to to do that are actually the ones that are standing up front and, and teaching. The industry as a whole right because now you, you know things like proper fittings and, and now you've come and shared that on the, the podcast and that's that's tremendously helpful and i think a couple things i guess so you, you mentioned the landscape's changing we went from maybe 10 years ago you know close to zero combustible dust or maybe there's a few to, to uh 2003 or uh, 2013 50 percent now we're talking 90 98 percent um, we're all involved in combustible dust so this this needs to be kind of addressed and thought and looked at we went to talking about, you know, what does that mean for equipment these days? Does that mean you, it means you need to actually do things like testing to destruction and, and making sure that your systems are in place. And you mentioned some things like even, even processing or manufacturing processes. If you have one in five or one in two or one in 10 that are, that have the failure points and you know, that's, that's not necessarily acceptable. And so that's, that's a really good overview. I think on the customer side, because as an equipment manufacturer, you'd be dealing a lot with individual, you know, individual facilities. One question we had a number of months ago, and I pulled it up before the call, was from a manufacturer. It wasn't Imperial Systems, by the way. <laughs> it was from a manufacturer just saying, as, as an equipment manufacturing supplier, we find it difficult. We have customers that come to us and they don't want to follow the rules. And they they ask me and my, my non-lawyer self, so I'll do the disclaimer. I'm not a lawyer and this is neither legal or consulting advice, but you know, what, what is our responsibility? Where does it start and end? And I posted on, on LinkedIn just as an open question didn't say any of the companies or products, but it's uh, just looking at it now, it has almost 40 comments and, you know, a lot of back and forth talking about it, but on, on your side, and again, share what you, you think makes sense. And I'll reiterate, <laughs> Imperial Systems was not the person asking me this question. 
but as an equipment manufacturer, you know, how do you deal with the companies that, that admit that they, because everyone sort of, well, it's questionable whether I think everyone actually knows or just, you know, I do a lot in awareness. So I see the people that don't know as well, but the people that do know, but, but don't want to invest in that safety or, you know, how do you deal with that as an equipment manufacturer? And I think the, the audience of listeners might find that interesting. Well, yeah, I'm sure that anybody that's that's uh, tuning in here and listening to this or, or on your LinkedIn, um, you know, they're they're all aware of that, right? So, I mean, we I bet you it's it, it's daily here that, that somebody you know either is you know you know pops in my office here or or I'm up in the sales department where and they're like, hey, you know, uh, you know, so and so company, you know, uh, is saying that their aluminum dust is non-combustible. What do we do about it? Or like, you know, or like they're doing food processing and there's, there's sugar and they're, and they're, they're saying zero KST. And so, you know, as a man, I mean, and it's tough too. Like, so even on like plasma tables, you know, where, where there's aluminum dust or, you know, or, or they're doing aluminum chips, you know, while those chips might not be combustible, the, you know, the years of production, the, 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 the little bit of uh, fragmented particles of aluminum dust does build up on the ledges, you know, and, and eventually could cause a problem. So, man, we're very aware of it and it's tough, right? Because you, you mentioned the companies in China kind of being tough and, and trying to undercut and, and trying to do whatever they can to get the jobs, you know, um, and putting safety on the side. We, we have enough of that in our own country. And uh, so we've got our competitors are saying, you know, sometimes they're, you know, the customer will come to us and say, well, you know, this quote here doesn't, isn't requiring us to do that. And, you know, we, we've spent way too much money and have way too much on the line to take any risks whatsoever. And, and to the point where, you know, when we have sales meetings and when we get our, when we get our reps together around, around the country and we, and we, we, we encourage them to say, look, you guys lead by example and the amount of integrity that you'll have by saying, you know what, we're not going to put this in if you don't, if you don't you know, follow these rules and these guidelines we believe we'll be rewarded for that with orders and our business will grow at a rapid pace because of that stance. I know that that goes against most salespeople. Most, you know, that, that natural tendency is to be like, look, the customer said it's, it's not an issue, but we really believe if we, if we bring it to the forefront and we, and we, and we tell them about it, educate them about it, it, it makes it hard for them to, to turn the other, other cheek and kind of walk away from it. But I, w- I will say that, you know, from time to time, you know, we're like, we're doing with a large company that, that knows and has engineering. And, and so for instance, they would come to us and say, we, you know, we're, we're, we're blasting aluminum, right? And they, you know, they, they may not do the exact same thing for, you know, they may not report the same KST that was on the last aluminum job that we were blasting. And so at some point in time, we do have to leave it up to the customer because we really don't know necessarily the ins and outs of their of their facility. And that's why, if you, you know, if you read NFPA, it, it ultimately, you know, says it's the customer's responsibility. I mean, we know there's some truth to that because we, we realize that the customer knows their process more than anybody, but, but we're always also reminded that, you know, if you're sitting across the table from a bunch of attorneys, it's all of our responsibility, right. To do, this, to do the right thing. So. Well, yeah, nobody wants to, you know, go home and tell their spouse that, you know, they were, involved in any way in something that you know that something really bad happened right right and i think that's that's where you're not you're not going to get like so for instance i'm not going to there's no way that my general manager out on the plant floor if if he was buying a machine if i'm trying to think of an example but like he's not going to do something 
willfully wrong and come try to like deceive me in a way, you know, I mean, people, people want to do what's right. So I think if we educate our, our buyers, you know, we're talking to a general manager of another company and we, and we show him this is the right thing to do. Even if the owner says, I don't really want to spend the money on it. You know, we, we, we feel like that that education is key and he's probably going to encourage his owner or the managers to do the right thing. So I, I feel like it starts with us. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good answer for you. No, it's, that's a great discussion. I, so I would say it starts with everyone. <laughs> it starts with here as an, as an educator, as an awareness provider. It starts with the equipment manufacturer. starts with the, the end operators. And it is, it is always going to be a balance in the sense of, uh, well, like I said earlier, overprotection will, will lead to underadoption. And then you won't end up any safer at the end of the day. But we do need to meet the kind of minimum levels. Uh, as an equipment manufacturer, like you're saying, there's a couple of phases, right? You have you're collecting input at some phase, you're you're doing the project, and then you're wrapping up. If if people are you know deceiving you at the input level, we well you 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 know you can't really be held responsible for what's going on the process the process leading up to that or after that. I will say that, and we won't mention any of the companies, and I probably won't put yeah actually I won't put these in the show notes, but um, there's been two cases in the last, just the last 24 months, maybe the last 18 months of, of multi-million dollar lawsuits being filed and the equipment manufacturer, not, not necessarily dust collection, but the equipment manufacturer, the installer and the company were found essentially 30, 30, 30 or 33, 33, 33, 33 liable. So, I mean, it is, it is happening. And, and so I appreciate the stance that Imperial Systems is taking and I, I, you know, your, your, your first response and your first discussion is, is very safety oriented. And then everyone kind of says at the end, well, if we're not getting the right information, you need to cover your basis at the end. But I, I understand that. But I like the position that you, you're taking as being an educator, as doing things that are safe. And, and really, you know, the, the first answer is, is no, we got to be safe at the end of the day. So I, I think it's a great discussion to have. And, and being willing to even discuss it is, is shows a lot about what you guys are about there. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I tell you what, I just had a uh, a meeting today with my um, my insurance company. You know, every year, you know, of course, you know, being a manufacturer, we, we have our renewal, and um, I've got a pretty good relationship with my insurance uh, provider. And I, I said to him, I said, you know, here here not too long ago, they were coming through and doing their audit, your yearly audit, and they said, hey, you're, you're you need an additional uh, sprinkler in your in your powder coat line. And uh, so, so I, that that got back to me, and I said, sure, you know, whatever, of course. And I said, so I said, hey, you know, hey, Pat, his name's Pat, no last names, but I said, hey, Pat, you know, um, what would you do? Just, just hypothetically, you're walking through one of your other plants in this area, like let's say a woodworking plant and, and you, and you see a dust collector and what, what are you looking for? And he said, well, what do you, what do you mean? He says, I said, well, you know, I said, we're as a, as a dust collector manufacturer, you know, a lot of times we're told, we, we tell the customer to, to seek their AHJ to see what they're supposed to have for, for proper dust collection equipment. And he said, well, what, what are you, what are you talking about? So, well, you know, I said, if, if, if your customer calls you and says, Hey, I, you know, I, I'm putting a dust collection system in, you know, what do I need to have to do it? And he said, we, we really don't, we really don't do anything with it. And I was like, I was kind of, and I said, Pat, you know, I said, that's terrible because I said, as a manufacturer, you know, and NFPA is pretty clear on the fact that, you know, one of your AHJs could certainly be your insurance company you need to be making your customers aware of these safety features that we have. So I, I just found it interesting because, you know, as industry experts, right, that's what we're supposed to, to do. 
And the, the industry is not there yet as a whole. I mean, insurance companies have come a long way, but they're not there. I mean, they're still more worried about whether I've got, you know, five sprinkler nozzles in my powder coat line than I do, you know, two or whatever, you know, or, or none. And, and so, I mean, that's kind of a, a long time ago, somewhere along the line, you know, these insurance companies realize that you have to have sprinkler nozzles in your paint booths, but they still have no idea about combustible dust for the most part. I know there's some that are really on the ball, but I'm just saying as a, as a whole, I was, it was just an interesting conversation I had just today. We'll, we'll probably um, head towards the end after this, but I'll, I'll reiterate that. And if you go back and read the Imperial Sugar Refinery report from the Chemical Safety Board, they made within six months of the explosion happening, there was an audit done by a, uh, like the food association, like a cleanliness sanitary audit. Um, and there's also an audit done by the insurance company, same as you're talking about. Uh, and you know, when, when question afterwards, both produced, here's my training material on combustible dust. Here's, you know, our, our team gets this every year and the CSB and, and this is my words, not theirs, but the way the report reads is kind of scratching your head saying, you know, you're, you're trained, your, your auditors are trained on this every year. Um, shouldn't they have said something? Cause Imperial Sugar six months before the incident happened was completely covered in sugar dust and they had dust collector fires that were happening. Um, they had, you know, the obvious management change issues and that sort of stuff. But it was, if, if we knew what we knew today, if you were to go do a DHA, it would, it, you know, it would be a big failure or it would fail and require remediation. But so those recommendations, that's back in 2008, those recommendations that came out of the CSB report were that insurance companies really should not only be required to train their people, but also be required to, you know, communicate that out when they're doing inspections. So you do your checklist and, and you have your check for combustible dust and you check yes and check the box for yes, but yeah. you, you should also tell somebody. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so that's still, I mean, I don't know if there's, NFPA I think has some verbiage around that now, so maybe there is more requirement, but it's still an educational piece for sure. Um, and you're talking about, you just experienced that this morning and this is, you know, this is a, almost a, well, over a decade ago now the, that that same observation was, was made, I'm sure before. So uh, it's a, it's a really, it's a really good conversation again. I think just to close up, so we covered a lot of ground, you know, we covered your background, we covered Imperial systems, uh, kind of moving from, you know, 2001, 2003 up to 2007, just the, the, changes in, in in that business over time and also the changes in combustible dust now today where we you know the, the landscape has changed we are more aware of the issues but there's still problems getting safe solutions out there we talked about testing and we talked about the hard question of how do you deal with with companies that, that don't want to comply or don't want to make it safe not necessarily because they you know are bad companies but just as an educational perspective they don't have the education to know that they should do that on more awareness or their have complacency or whichever it is. Um, but kind of from your experience, which, what challenges do we, we have remaining just to keep facilities safe from combustible dust? I know it's an open question, so kind of take it, take it wherever you, you think is best. I, I think education is probably the number one. So, I mean, what you're doing right here with this podcast is, is great. I mean, the, the more you can get that out there, you know, I mean, it will help you too. You know, we're going to be sharing this a lot, this podcast, and, uh, you know, hopefully we get, get that out into the right hands, but I think education is key. And I think that, um, you know, to make companies safer, they need to really rely on the experts in, in some fashion. And I think as, as experts, you know, we need to be 
educated, you know, as, as a leader in the industry. I mean, you know, I think Imperial Systems is, you know, probably the most up and coming dust collector company in the country. And I think that, you know, we take it very seriously. You know, we, 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 we teach our, our folks here on, on, on safety. We, we spend money on testing. Um, our engineers are, are constantly getting trained and, and, and um, on what, what the safe practices are. You know, I think so to, to the customers, you know, they, they are what they are, what they are. And I think they've, they've got to follow suit as well. I mean, they're being told hopefully more so uh, by their insurance companies, you know, OSHA does a good job of getting out there and, um, you know, um, you know, hopefully give, give more warnings and violations, but, but they're, um, but they're, you know, they're out there again. I think, I think the whole thing is good. When it first, you know, when it first all started to kind of come about, you know, I don't know how many years ago it was that we were all kind of scratching our heads from the dust collection world. Like, what are we supposed to do with this now? You know, and nobody's ever going to be able to afford a dust collector anymore. You know, you take a, a $30,000 dust collector and now you make it 60,000 because you've got all these bolt-ons. And, you know, while, while that was true back then, because there wasn't a lot of options today, there's a lot more options to do it, you know, safely, efficiently. And without really breaking the bank, I mean, there are a lot of options, especially if you've got a good company that that can help design uh, a solution for you. You know, that's part of free market too, right? So we, you know, we 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 get to um, we well a, co- a competitive market where you know we all are competing and trying to figure out ways to do it less or expensive, cheaper, and uh, and still be safe about it. So you know, there's been a lot of evolution along the ways, and. Um, you know, I think that again, it's just, you know, companies like ourselves that are just kind of sticking our necks out there, spending the money on testing and, you know, sharing our experiences with, with our customers. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole community. And that's a little bit about what we're about here is I have a research background, obviously. So I'm, I'm more linked in with universities or was, um, but that's a group. OSHA is a group, NFPA is a group, the China version of NFPA is a group. You know, the engineers that are, are working out of Africa are a group. Um, you know, so you have all these different, and then, you know, you have all the different types of equipment that are manufacturers. We have, we have reps, we have safety suppliers, we have consultants, we have experts, we have, you know, all the, all this different group. And it's really going to take all of us, I think, but it also takes leaders that are going to, like you said, almost stick, I don't know, I'll use this, I'll use the same word, but stick your neck out. Um, it's going to take the leaders that are going to go out there and do above and beyond on the safety side because otherwise we, we won't be able to make it cheaper we won't we won't know how to make it cheaper unless people start blowing up their their dust collectors under safe conditions you know to to do that so i i think it's great work being done by imperial systems i i appreciate the effort you're putting in i'm hopefully i can get down there to to pennsylvania at some point and see you guys at shop i think that'd be uh that'd be pretty neat and i just got back late last year i was down in kansas city to see the, the fight testing facility which i assume is where where you guys are, are getting your, your you might have seen some of our equipment there, yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of work with those guys. I think I think I did. Yeah. So, like I said, it's a community, and it's going to take all of us to try to figure that out. So, I appreciate you taking your your time today to to go through this, and we went in a couple directions that we didn't have planned for, but I think it was a good thing because that talk on testing is hard to hard to get companies to willingly want to come on and talk about. <laughs> well, you kind of put me on the spot. <laughs> I don't know if I tricked you into it. And then the, the hard questions of, you know, um, how do you deal with, with clients and customers? Those conversations, I think, need to be had as well. So I appreciate it. And I look forward to the chance to, to get you back on the show at another time to talk about some of these topics more deeply. 
well, I think we might have as deep as you can go, but maybe some other topics more deeply. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. At any time, that would be would be great. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, yeah, we were talking with Jeremiah, Jeremiah Wan and uh, President of Imperial Systems. I, I mentioned some of the blog posts that they've written, wrote on combustible dust. We'll also include you know links to the websites and the best way to connect with Jeremy or te- his team um, in the show notes at dustadyscience.com slash 29. And I'm sure that, uh, that Jeremy, Jeremiah, rather, and myself will be talking again in the future. So thanks, Jeremiah. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. So that was a really great episode with Jeremiah, and we, we even ended up going down some conversation roads that uh, that we hadn't planned at the start, but they're conversations that are important to have, and I, I really appreciated him being willing to to go through that and discuss it so the community can kind of think about it as well. So I, I really enjoyed that. If you want to learn more about Imperial Systems, uh, we'll have Jeremiah's contact information in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 29, as well as some of the articles that, that uh, they've written previously that we mentioned in the episode. And if you know anyone that you think provide a good insight in this kind of you know other category in, in our combustible dust ecosystem, so again, manufacturers, operators, equipment, plant managers, engineers, technical folk, uh, just people that we haven't had on the show together or groups of people that we haven't had on the show up to today, um, please certainly reach out and let us know. You can go to dustsafetyscience.com slash ask and you can ask a question that will bring a subject matter expert on you can email me at chris at dustsafetyscience.com and if you're interested in being featured in the show definitely reach out and and let me know there as well so as always i appreciate you listening to the dust safety science podcast hope you have a a safe and productive week ahead and i appreciate the work that you're doing in industries handling combustible dust around the world